Hello and welcome to Markets Extra, the podcast where we discuss what's moving markets and what makes traders tick. My name is Han Tan, market analyst at FXTM. So we are already in May and of course, come this time of year, you might hear the phrase, sell in May and go away. Oh, if I got a penny for every time I saw that phrase, I'd be rich. So in this episode, we are going to consider the value of such market adages. And to help me do just that, I'm joined once again by market commentator, Jamie Dada. Jamie, you've been around the block. Uh, you used to be a trader for a big Wall Street firm. So market adages, love them, despise them. What's your take? Uh, hello, Han, again. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just getting over the introduction there where, I, uh, where you said I, I've been around the block. So um, that's a nice one. That's a good introduction for me. Um, I'm No, all, all good. I think, yeah, adages. What can you say? Clichés, you know, phrases, those commonly quoted um, statements which get rolled out at certain times of the year, I guess. And, you know, as you said, sell in May is a, is a great one. Probably the most widely used stock market cliche, perhaps. I'm a sucker for adages, to be honest. I think, you know, quotes from way back uh, in the day, you know, Jesse Livermore through to through to now, you know, as long as they stood the test of time, from psychology quotes to risk management, to just daily trading, you know, I, I, I like these quotes. I think, you know, there are always caveats to them. Um, and, you know, everybody can pick them apart, but if they help you in trading or, you know, they give some boost to your performance, then then why not? So would it be fair to characterize you as a traditionalist? Are you a stickler for the tried and tested or are you a risk taking man? <laughs> Both. Why not both? both? I think. Come um, on, man. That's a cop out. Look, pick one. What's your bias here? <laughs> I'm a traditionalist, of course. Uh, you know, having experienced various different things through the ages, but then also, you know, you have to move with the times. I think trading teaches you that. You know, you can't really stand still, and you, you know, if you're if you're stood still uh, and things aren't quite working out, then you have to tweak things here and there to make sure you're more contemporary, should we say, and more relevant to what's happening in the market, for sure. But selling may go away, you know, it's an absolute classic, isn't it? It does stand the test of time, right? You know, historically, you know, we can say there is seasonal weakness, right? So the S&P, I think since 1950 or even before then, you know, that May to October period, you get gains, positive gains of around 2%. Uh, whereas the, the November, April period, you know, uh, gains are probably over 7% or so. So I think one thing, thing to stress right there is that they are positive gains between May and October historically. So we're not talking negative. So, so you know, you don't wildly just sell in May and that's it. You exit the market. I think, you know, there are probably caveats to that, like we've said. Um, because you still get positive returns. Well, Jamie, I'm glad you picked apart that adage and mentioned that there are caveats because although the saying is sell in May and go away, I mean, if you're still looking for gains, historically, there's still some to be had between May and October, right? Now, even though those gains may be less compared to the November through April period, I think it depends on whether your timeline allows you to leave those profits on the table. Uh, because if you look at the past 20 years, you do see an average monthly gain of 
of about 0.4% for the month of May alone. And then that gains again for July and October. Again, this is the average for that particular month over the past 20 years. But I think ultimately, it comes down to your timeline now, doesn't it? If you have a longer time frame, you perhaps don't want to be missing out on what are actually net gains for that period. But perhaps if you have a shorter time frame, then perhaps the pickings are riper from November onwards. I mean, Jamie, wouldn't you agree that the time frame, that is very much a major consideration for these kinds of seasonalities? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, seasonality is, is exactly the point. So there is seasonal weakness, like we said. Even then, I think there is a tendency for a summer rally historically. And so it's sort of back end loaded in a way because, you know, July, August, like I said, you can see rising prices. And, and especially, this is an interesting fact actually that I, I looked up at, especially in the first year of a US presidency. So we see, you know, a summer rally of some sorts ahead of September, which is historically the weakest month of the year. So, you know, there's your caveat right there, where it's this sort of back-end loaded performance, if you like, of stocks. And especially this year, we're over 87% or so since the March lows. So in a way, you kind of think it's natural that you're going to see some weakness potentially into the summer you know, with um, less traders at the desk and potentially more volatility. So with such a great rise, people would take some risk off the table, right? All right, Jamie. So let's consider the summer of 2021 specifically then, and perhaps paying less attention to the historical averages. Because very often, as we have been writing about in our daily market analysis, uh, we have spoken about the fundamental case for more upside for stocks, right? I mean, you have the Fed that has been saying for months that they're in no rush to remove the support they rolled out for financial markets since the pandemic started, uh, be it the $120 billion in bonds that they're purchasing every month um, or keeping interest rates near zero. I mean, if anything, it might be 2023 or 2024 before we see U.S. interest rates being hiked. So with that central bank context in mind, and also noting that we've got President Biden's spending plans that should help the U.S. economy recover faster. So doesn't all that make for a recipe for more gains in stocks over the coming months? So from a fundamental perspective, isn't that narrative still intact? I think it's very much intact. Well, I think we've said before about you know, the classic punch bowl and is that going to get taken away? So, you know, even overnight uh, this week or, or last night, in fact, um, you know, you had more hawkish members of the Fed downplaying that risk of excess inflation and the need to taper, you know, the need to rein in bond purchases. So potentially another signal that it's too early to change monetary policy. So therefore we have, you know, a lot of liquidity again, that's abundant and growth is still improving. But as you know, Han, um, you know, stock markets are a forward-looking indicator, you know, six months ahead. So in a way, it's what's the next catalyst? We know that the economy is roaring or, or set to roar even more and the reopening, you know, is kicking in. So in a way, it's what what is the next catalyst? And, and I guess also, I think, you know, a lot of Wall Street's year-end targets have already been hit. 
right? So, you know, those targets are already in the books. Stocks may have hit a lot of people's targets, oil the same, uh, bond yields the same. So then if you've already got that on the table, then naturally you might see some people taking risk off the table. And I think, you know, going back to that phrase, selling may go away, you know, you come back on St. Ledger's Day, you know, I think is the the phrase. So that's a that was a horse race in September. But it was about going on vacation, not exiting the market. And in a way, you know, that's very apt for this summer, isn't it? Where hopefully some of us might be able to go on a holiday, which we haven't done for a while. So, yeah, these things tie in. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that for you guys in the UK, um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson said that, hey, by June 21st, all these social distancing measures that you have in place right now, those could be removed by next month. I mean, although the timeline for when foreign travel might be allowed, uh, that may still be a further ways out. But at least for life in the UK, it could get a whole lot closer to what you guys once knew, right? Potentially, yeah. But back to the market adage that's being discussed right now. So it's not really a case of closing all of your positions and taking all of your money and uh, blowing it on a summer vacation wherever you are vacationing at. Uh, But perhaps it's more a case of leaving some money in the markets while you are parting it on up in, say, London or wherever you may be. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Still having something in the game, you know, because like we said, sort of what's in the price at the moment, a lot potentially is in the price. So we're looking for the next catalyst, you know, to take the market higher. But we are edging higher because of that abundant liquidity, for sure. That's right. So before we wrap up this episode, want to get your final thoughts on this, Jamie. Uh, because right now we are seeing some jitters in US stocks so far this week, this first trading week of May, especially in tech stocks. So given all that we have discussed, sum it up for us, sell in May and go away, yay or nay? Like we said, yay in some senses, some money off the table. And for the record, these are just personal views and should not be misconstrued as investment advice. And with that said, I'd like to thank Jamie for his time and his insights. Even if you were to go away from the markets over the coming months, make sure you still follow Markets Extra. We've got a new episode for you every fortnight. And between those episodes, be sure to check out our daily market analysis. You can find those written reports at www.forextime.com. Until next time, I'm Han Tan for FXTM.